We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 47, Something About Vintage. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers with me this week, back from his honeymoon. How are you, sir? I am fantastic, David. How are you? I am great. How was your uh, How was your trip? We had a really good time. Uh, we spent six days without the worries of of work or real life, and it was nice to get away and, and spend some time with my wife. It was a good time. I, it, it's kind of odd being sunburnt in December in Northern Virginia, but uh, <laughs> it, it was a very good time. I saw the photos. You looked very relaxed most of the trip. Yeah, yeah. It was very... I, I'm pretty chill anyway, but I was exceptionally chill. Double chill? Double chill. Double chill. All right. Um, I don't know if you listened to the guest host from last week. But, oh yeah, uh, I did. You guys did fantastic and like made me want to play modern. Well, that's great. Um, I was going to say that, uh, she's already applied for your job. So when your contract is up for renewal, we're going to have to have some, uh, negotiations on either split time. Cause I'd really like to bring her on board. Um, or perhaps even just parting ways, but, um, we'll, we'll figure that out maybe in the next couple of weeks. We were both in the same streamer showdown today and I was hopeful that we'd play against each other so I could be like, winner gets the podcast. Oh, podcast title match. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe then I just can, throw the game so I don't have to talk to you anymore. Maybe we can cross promote with some wrestling podcast out there that we can. <laughs> seems like a great idea. I'm sure she'd be on board for that. Yeah. Sold. All right. Um, yeah. And for, uh, for those of the, uh, those of you who listened last week, the show notes did not include, uh, the links that we talked about in the podcast. They are now posted, um, or at least two of them are. And the other one is, is on my Twitter or the men for moto Twitter. So you can go check that out if you're interested. Um, got a lot of positive feedback. She got a lot of positive feedback on her, uh, modern archetype document, which was just bananas. Um, I don't think I've seen a tweet that I have been a part of ever get that much traction. So it was pretty cool to see people pick that up and run with it. Uh, this week though, we're shifting gears entirely. We're done with modern. We're done with limited. Well, not really done with limited, but we're done with iconic masters and, uh, Ixalan all going the way of the dino. And, uh, this week we are talking about vintage masters flashback drafts just in time for cube vintage cube, which is right around the corner in time for holiday season. We basically got vintage on the brain this week. Yeah. There's something about vintage, eh? There is. I mean, I don't enjoy it. Some people do. But like with Iconic Masters, I think you're here to, to kind of convince me that I'm wrong objectively about my opinion when it comes to flashback Masters drafts. Yeah, you should kind of jump into this one. It's a really fun format. I've jammed it for two days straight and will probably continue to do so until it's gone. Like I can draft this, I can draft Ixalan or I can draft Hour. Hour is one of my favorite draft formats ever. And I've, I've still been jamming them, but I, I'm going to take a break so I can draft this some. It, it's just a super fun format. All right. And before we get started, though, you wanted you had a few words about uh, Magic Arena. You've been getting a lot of questions and comments about Arena in your uh, Twitch chat. So why don't you uh, take the soapbox? Okay. Look, hang on. Let me just slide that soapbox into position. Climb up. All right. So... This this is a, a mini soapbox, but it's worth mentioning. I've I've had a lot of people in chat say, I don't want to play Arena because it's not going to have Modern. I don't want to play Arena because it's not going to have Sealed. I don't want to play Arena because it's not going to have Sideboards. I don't want to play Arena because it's not going to have, you know, my favorite cards from this set. And I want to say, first, we don't know for sure what it's going to have or what it's not going to have when it releases. I will say it's probably not going to have the full depth of magic that has ever existed. They have told us you will have standard and draft. Anything else is is gravy going forward. But as we're getting ready to go into talking about vintage masters, I feel like it's a good point for me to point something out. David, what is the most iconic magic card of all time? Black Lotus? That's correct. Black Lotus came to magic online three years ago when this set was introduced. 
meaning that for 17 years people had been playing Magic online and there was no Black Lotus. You couldn't open it anywhere. You couldn't put it in any deck. You couldn't play it anywhere. When I came back to Magic Online after taking a long break, one of the first events I played in was an Urza's Saga pre-release. Urza's Saga had been out for 15 years in paper before it finally made its way onto Magic Online. So a lot of these products, Magic Online, the thing that you're playing right now, when it launched, it didn't have all the cards in it. It still doesn't. The anti-cards are missing, and there's a few others, right? So like... It's okay if Arena comes out and it doesn't support this format or that format when it launches. Try it out. Give it a shot. I I think, based on absolutely nothing, that you'd really enjoy it. Okay? But, like, try it out. Play some standard. Play some drafts. See if you like it. If it's not for you, Magic Online is still there. Like, there's a, a day coming when I can stream Arena, and I suspect that I will stream that four days a week and still stream Magic Online two days a week because I'm going to want to do those competitive drafts and I'm going to want to play in the PTQs. And it, it doesn't look like I'm going to get to do that in arena, but that, that was my big thing is like, yeah, it's not going to launch with the entire card pool that magic has ever had, but neither did magic online. And you may not know that if you got into magic online in the past two or three years, but if you've been playing it for a long time, you can remember when vintage wasn't a format you could play online. The other thing to think, of, uh, keep in mind is that the more people that support magic arena either just by playing it or by putting money into it um the more resources that wizards will throw at it to put more cards in it that cater to people that play modern or you know legacy vintage whatever it is um and in order for it to be a success people need to play it right like there's just no question about it um so really it's up to us to to play it enjoy it and tell wizards what we want in it going forward. And it may take a couple of years. Like we know for sure that we're going to have, you know, Ixlon block constructed or whatever will be the, the legal format when, uh, when it goes into open beta. Um, but, and all the sets going forward, obviously, but the only thing that will convince them to do sets past um, is an uptick in popularity. Right. And they'll be looking, mm-hmm. if, if they're looking for a reason to shut down magic online, if this is a huge success, right, then they're going to need to support, everybody that plays magic online, which is all the way down to vintage, basically commander, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. I would love good online multiplayer. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. It but would like, be, but that that's, that's a That's a pipe dream. That's way down the road. Maybe we need to do magical Christmas land for, for uh, arena this year. I think we did our wish list last year. Okay. Maybe we need to, maybe we need to revisit that, but um, yeah, you know what? I'm optimistic. And, uh, and you know what? Like, like worst case is it ends up being like a, uh, maybe they create a new a new format, um, you know, that's like standard forward, like a new modern format. And we just kind of have to suck it up that we can't play modern on on arena. But like you've said before, like a, a, a rising tide floats all boats. You know, if this brings 100,000 new players to the game online, which then trickles down into 10,000 new viewers on Twitch, with which then trickles down to, you know, 500 new viewers for you or something like that. Like that's a that's a big gain for you. So, um, you know, let's let's look at it as as a positive movement forward here for the for the magic online community it's a big gain for everybody who plays magic too like right like if there's ten thousand people interested in watching it imagine how many are playing it yeah exactly so you know basically the sky's not falling nobody knows that it's not falling or that it is falling it's just in some kind of super state between falling and not falling it's just hovering there like a sky does yeah, that's kind of very well said, David. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. We just don't know. Can we just get into Vintage Masters here? Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. All right. So Vintage Masters. I am the grump. I am the Grinch that stole Christmas when it comes to Masters sets. I'm I will admit, I, you know that I apologize to Iconic Masters. Mm-hmm. We're on good terms. That It is forgiven me. Vintage Masters, um, I have no interest in whatsoever. However, however, you have convinced me that maybe I should have interest. So I'm willing to listen to you and I'm willing to to have a, a conversation with you about the. What am I looking? What's the word that I'm looking for here about the the upside of playing Vintage Masters? The I'm just looking for a reason, basically convince me to spend my hard-earned tickets and my hard-earned play points playing a vintage master's set with 
cards that I really don't care about, I guess. You know, I don't, I really am not really interested in vintage. You know, cracking a black lotus is kind of like whatever to me. Um, I don't even like cube all that much. So, so give me a reason to play vintage masters, phantom, of course. Yeah. So I, I'll walk through what it is, why it is, and then I'll convince you that you should play. You can play this in either phantom or non phantom. The reason to play non phantom is that the power nine are in this set. So you can open a pack that has Ancestral Recall, Time Walk, Time Twister, Black Lotus, and the Moxes. It's pretty cool to open one of those and add it to your collection. From an EV perspective, it is slightly better to play the non-Phantom ones. Um, It's like at a 60% win rate. It's like plus one ticket to play the non-Phantom and minus one ticket to play the Phantom. For me, I'm kind of like Dave. I don't value the collectible aspect of this game so much. I just want to play. So I'm still doing the Phantom ones predominantly because that, like, if, if I do open a Black Lotus, I don't really want to go through the hassle of going to sell it to a bot. I just want to play the next draft as soon as I can. Um, but if that is something that you value or something you're excited about, this is a good opportunity to do that. In this particular instance, they're re releasing the set and the Power Nine have original art. In the original release for this, there was new art for all of them. They used some Magic Online promo art. But if you want a Black Lotus that looks like the paper Black Lotus you could get complete with the brown frame and everything, you can get it here. One thing to keep in mind with the, the difference between Phantom and Non-Phantom. So Phantom or Non-Phantom is a better expected value, but you will have swings, like greater swings because of the high cost. Yeah. So if you run poorly, you know, um, you know, you 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 oh two or, or oh three a couple of drafts um you know you could burn through your magic online ticket collection quite quite quickly um and you may not recover from that but if you put together a couple of good good uh good events a couple of three o's early and maybe open a, a, some power or something like that um the the special border power or the alternate art power is going for a lot right now um i haven't looked at prices today but when i checked like they were all over 30 to 40 tickets each. Um, and, and the black Lotus, I think was close to a hundred tickets at the time. So you can, you can definitely hit the jackpot, but Phantom will be a slower bleed. And if you can't handle the swings, um, you know, that might be the place to go for that. Yeah. So to convince you, David, yes. Do mm-hmm. you like limited? I do like limited. I would say that I'm a, a bit of a limited connoisseur. Okay. How would you feel about some, a playing a cube that someone had carefully designed that's relatively low power and has multiple copies in the common slot. Relatively low power compared yeah, to I the mean, holiday cube or the vintage cube. Yeah. I mean, sure. Like I think my problem with the holiday and vintage or the, the, the holiday slash vintage cube is that I just don't have a ton of experience with the cards. So it's like some archetypes are just completely out to me. So for example, drafting storm in the cube is something that, um, I could learn how to do if I threw a bunch of tickets at it, but it's not something that I naturally know how to do. So I feel like that whole thing is kind of like blocked off to me mm-hmm. and I have trouble with card evaluation. So like in maybe like a, somebody had like a, a good, like a, a cube that was built out of a regular distribution of cards. So there are a bunch of commons, some uncommons, and then the rares and mythics in each pack. It's probably more up my alley, more like a regular draft set, kind of like iconic masters was. Dude, that's what this set is. Oh, you talked me. I just talked myself into it, didn't I? Yeah, you just did. I didn't even have to do anything. It's exactly what this set is. It's a curated limited environment using cards that are not legal in the modern format and going backwards. So we've got only old cards here, which means, frankly, for most people that are looking at these, they're new to them too, right? Mm -hmm. I happen to be very old and was playing when most of these cards were out, so I remember them. But so many of them have had their rarities changed and and downshifted that it's a completely different format than anything you were used to there. And basically what you've got is a really fun and interactive um, draft format. Now, there are some broken commons, and I think some that were, quite frankly, a mistake. And we'll talk about those as we go through the decks. But I I have drafted uh, various colors, not just Boros, although I do think that's the best deck in the format. Um, But I've had... I think I've played nearly every color combination now, including some of the gimmick decks, and I've had a blast. Um, and for 10 tickets, like when we're talking about the Phantom drafts, this is this is certainly $10 worth of entertainment. You don't even have to get $10 worth of entertainment out of it. It pays the same as Iconic Masters. So even if you go one, two, you're only down six tickets, right? Yeah. 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 So even, even a schlub like me 
can uh, can one two spend six tickets and get two hours worth of value out of it. Yeah, I'm just saying, drop in ten bucks, try it out, and if you don't like it, eh, it's over. You know, it's it's only here for a week anyway. That's true. You know what? That maybe that's just a barrier for me is that um, formats that are here and gone in a week. It's like, well, what's the point? Like, I I I can't play them ten times and get good at them. You know what I mean? Like, like it's it's gone so quickly that I feel like I don't learn anything about the format. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really just like, I really just have to approach it that I'm playing it just for fun. I'm not playing it to learn how to play the format. I'm just going to play a couple of times and just be like, I'm done. We'll see you next year. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to walk you through how to play it right now. Um, when I logged off magic online today, I was the current trophy leader in the phantom drafts. Like there's sometimes we'll talk about a format and I'll be like, I think I would approach it this way. This one, I actually know how to do this. Um, so you're going to lay some knowledge on me. I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. Let's talk about a broken card. This card is BS. The B is for battle. The S is for screech. Two white, white for a sorcery. Put two one, one white bird creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield. Flashback. Tap three untapped white creatures you control. I don't understand how this is a card. Well, I mean, you've played with triplicate spirits, right? Yeah. Imagine it made one more and was cheaper. And was cheaper. Yeah. You played with lingering souls? Yeah. Imagine if you didn't have to splash the flashback or be black-white. Yeah. And it didn't cost you any mana. Yeah. Yeah. This, This card is not really entirely fair. And the format kind of revolves around it. When I drafted in the streamer showdown today, I included two main deck answers specifically to this card and straight up won a game because I had them when I played against the Battle Screech deck. Saffron Olive was playing basically a white weenie deck that included at least one copy of Battle Screech. I don't know how many he had, but I know that when he cast the first one and had another flyer in play, I was really happy I had Claws of the Vastwood in my hand. And I was able to play it, kill this and his other flyer. And it felt like I got a five for one, but it was really just a two for one. It was still good enough. So like this card is busted and I would pick it over just about everything else I open. Because if you ever manage to get two and you have any white two drops in your deck, uh, you can really do a lot of damage to people with this card. So when I say the format revolves around it, I don't mean that you're going to play it every time. I mean that you need to be prepared to answer a bunch of flying tokens because it's here at common and most of the decks that have one will end up with two. Okay. So opened a lot and in a color combo in a color that supports it, but it also plays really well with red. I watched you draft the other day. Um, what was the card called? The instant rights of uh, something or other rights of initiation. Yeah. There's another stupid card. Yeah. At least this one's uncommon. Oh, it's uncommon. Okay, so you just had two just by the, the the luck of the Irish. I had two because I was drafting at the beginning of the flashback, which means I was drafting with a lot of people who don't understand how good the card is. I, like, I was playing this when it came out three years ago, and you'd see that card like 10th pick. Nobody wanted it at the beginning. And then by the end, people were first picking it because they understood. It's red for an instant. Um, after it resolves, discard X cards. Creatures you control get plus X plus zero until end of turn. So if I have four cards, rights of initiation, and I've cast a battle screech the turn before, you're dead. Yep. You're just dead. Just dead. Yep. I mean, that's 20. You, you discard the cards at random, but that's usually no big deal because you're holding on to it to, um, like, you wait till your opponent's tapped out or they can't block anything. You're killing them when you discard your hand, basically. Correct. There is a fog in the format. Uh, again, the green black deck I drafted today had Claws of the Vastwood, two uh, Vultures in the sideboard, as well as a Tangle, which is this this format's Fog variant. And I absolutely side that in when I see two Battle Screeches from an opponent. Mm-hmm. So like, let, let's be aware that this is here. There's also a lot of additional support for tokens in red and in white. So, so red-white is your hyper-aggressive like it usually is with token support. Um, there's also like a, a Goblin sub-theme here too, right? Yeah, this is a fair time to point out kind of one of the better red commons, which is Beetleback Chief. Oh, I love Beetleback Chief. It's two red red for a 2-2 goblin that comes into play with two goblin tokens, two 1-1 goblin tokens. 
Yeah, goblins are just great. So, I mean, it's it's a four mana four four essentially, but spread out over multiple bodies. So it's able to take a, take advantage of anthem effects, like for example, rites of initiation, as well as others. There's a lot of other good goblin support cards in here too, from Goblin Matron to let you go find whatever goblin you want, Goblin War Chief to give your goblins haste. So you can absolutely build a goblin deck. Um, is there is there a mono red goblin deck? You can get pretty close to it. Um, the goblins themselves are not super powerful, nor are they super fast. So you you kind of need some support to make them work. Otherwise, you end up with a board of a bunch of two twos and one ones. Mm-hmm. So like Click Slitherer's one option to do it. Uh, it's one red, red, red for a three, three haste insect. You can sack a goblin to give it plus two, plus two and trample until end of turn. So this is a rare that can let you kind of attack through and, and kill your opponents. Um, and there's also a substantial amount of burn in red, uh, both in Chain Lightning at Common, which is a sorcery for one red, three damage, can be redirected if opponent has mountains up, um, and Solar Flare, which is three and a red for three damage instant, uh, can go face. You can cycle it for red, red, one. When you do, it deals one damage to target creature or player. That reminds me a bit of Deem Worthy, uh, which mm-hmm. we saw when we were uh, in Emonquette. And then Caravex Torch at Uncommon. Um, that's just a fireball. Right. Okay. Um, before we go on here, uh, fixing lands. So you mentioned cycling and we remember cycle lands. Um, what do we have for fixing slash special lands in this format? Um, we've got that. And then we've got an additional kind of fixing that a lot of people don't catch initially. So we've got uh, slow fetches. These were originally printed in Mirage. We'll use Mountain Valley as an example. Uh, it enters the battlefield tap. You can sacrifice it, search your library for a mountain or forest, put it in the battlefield. Not tapped. So instead of paying one life like you would with Zendikar um, fetches or Onslaught fetches, I, I think that's where the original ones were, wherever, you're not paying life. You're just having this come into play tapped. We've also got slow pain lands. For example, Pine Barrens enters the battlefield tapped. You can tap it for a colorless or you can tap it, take one damage, and get uh, black or green mana. Then, Right, okay. Lastly, at rare, we have the original dual lands. So, Ooh. for example, plateau, land, mountain, plains. It is both. It taps for either color of mana. Okay, so you should be able to find fixing if you need it. Some of the best fixing you can get isn't actually in the lands. Okay. It's in the Naya colors, Okay. There's, there's one of these for each of the colors. Uh, we'll talk about Elvish Aberration as like a base one, um, but there's a white version. It's Noble something. And then there's a Cougar in uh, in red that does this. But Elvish Aberration is five and a green for a four five that taps for three green. Doesn't sound so great, huh? Nope. It has forest cycling Ooh. for two. That means when you cycle it, you go get a forest and put it in your hand. Mm-hmm. So I have plenty of times splashed green, red, or white purely based off of these cyclers, a basic, and then a fetch. So between those, you can enable a splash pretty easily. There's also the green divination in this set, which is Corros and Tusker. This is five green, green for a six, five. It has cycling for two and a green. When you cycle it, you search for a basic, put it in your hand. Okay. So if you cast this, aka cycle it for two and a green, you're drawing two, one of them's a land. Right. So with these cards, like many times in Emonkhet and Hour of Devastation, we'd cycle to hit land drops. You're guaranteed to do that when you have these six mana creatures or the Corrosive Tusker. You can also just play them out. Uh, there's several times where, like, even in a deck that was splashing for the, the Cougar, I ended up just casting it because I already had the mountain and then I drew it. And like, it's not bad. It's a, you know, six mana, four, four with fire breathing. It's fine. Right. Okay. And those, so those are in the Naya colors. Okay. And they're all about the same cost. Then they're all in that kind of five to six mana with a cycling cost. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's great then. So, okay. So we've got fixing, we've got red, white tokens, aggro, mono red goblin type stuff. Um, the, the goblins can go red, white. If you want to just kind of combine them with white removal 
or some of your, your white creatures, you can go green red with them and have like fires of Yavimaya as an enchantment to haste them out. I even had a black red goblins deck. There's a rare uh, Grinzo that goes in there and like even blue red goblins with like mana war, but it's a heavy red deck and you can kind of pair it with whatever because all the goblin synergy is in red. Okay. Okay. So I've got my, my, First two archetypes here. We've got those figured out. Um, what's next on the archetypes that I should be playing and drafting list? The, the next one you need to be aware of is the Madness deck. Oh, yeah. Which Arrogant is, Worms. Yeah, it's it's green-blue usually, um, although sometimes you can do green-black, but I'll, I'll save the green-black for another archetype discussion. If Battle Screech isn't the best common, then Wild Mongrel is. And this is usually how you end up in this deck. Um, you need to be aware of how to play with this card and play around it. And it doesn't sound that powerful when you read it. It's one in a green for a two, two. You may discard a card. Wild mongrel gets plus one, plus one and becomes the color of your choice until end of turn. You remember the wolf dark thicket wolf from Innistrad or just basically any creature that had a pump effect on it. Yeah. Your opponent could never block it because it like, if they did, you were going to eat one of their dudes imagine if you could just threaten to do that with anything and like I can throw cards away while maintaining board presence. The the trick to the wild mongrel is there's a lot of cards that you want to discard. That would be your madness cards. So if you can make discarding a card an upside while you're beating your opponent to death, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Flash in a four, four trampler for three mana. Is that right? Yeah. And and nug your opponent for an extra plus one plus one. Yep, we, that, that seems pretty dumb. We'll chat about that. I, I need to mention one other enabler: um, the wild mongrel. Every green deck wants. So, like, you may get one or two of these for this deck. Your other two mana enabler is the aquamiba, which is one in a blue for a one three. <laughs> Travis has muted his mic here. He's currently choking. No, he appears fine. I get choked up about Aquamoebas, man. They're just that good. <laughs> okay, so Aquamoeba. It's one in a blue for a 1-3. Discard a card, switch its power and toughness until end of turn. Right, so kind of the similar idea to the to the Wild Mongrel, except that it's probably just a discard enabler, right? That's primarily what you're going to. You can also turn lands into two damage in the late game and block two twos, which is fine. Okay. Um, but you, so. you're mainly playing this because you're looking to enable madness or have some shenanigans going. What Dave mentioned earlier is the madness payoff that you really want at uncommon is arrogant worm. God, that's not even uncommon. That's a common here. It's 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 stupid. I was looking at this list earlier. Yeah, no, it's just it's just bonkers. So before we get to the how ridiculous the worm is, though, is this the deck that you want the enablers? Like, do you want the discard outlets before you pick up the worms? Like, is that, is that important? If you don't have, if you have one enabler or two enablers, you don't, you don't have a madness deck, right? So see, here's the thing. Wild mongrel is so good that you just take it. You would take that over nearly any of the madness cards. Mm -hmm. Aquamoeba is not. So if I open a pack with an Aquamoeba and an arrogant worm, I'll just take the worm. If, if I want to go in this direction, if I open a a wild mongrel and any of the other cards, I'm just going to take the mongrel. Because it, it plays well in any green deck. So like step one is get that. Step two is pick up the other thing. The the mongrel is the premier enabler. And Arrogant Worm and um, I'll find the other one. I think it's Roar of the Worm are the premier payoffs. Okay. What are the, there's other payoffs too. There's a, there's a counterspell in blue. What's it called? Circular Logic. It's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. And there's Obsessive Search, which is all right. Okay. Um, so it's it's really just the worms that you're looking for. It's really the worms that you're looking for. And then, like I said, the 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 mongrel, don't be afraid to attack this into your opponent's 4-4, right? Like if they block and you discard three cards from your hand and just eat it, that's usually going to end out well for you. Like I, I ended up discarding four cards to it for no value just to wipe my opponent's board. And I won that game. Hard to believe, but like the cards in hand matter much less than the board presence once you have a mongrel going. Okay. All right. And then always be aware that if your opponent has a mongrel and three mana up, one of them being green, that you're probably getting arrogant wormed. Quite possibly. So like have a plan. There were multiple occasions where my opponent had attacked me with a mongrel 
And like one of them, I had a tapper in play as well as a three, three, and I didn't attack with the tapper. And somebody in chat said, why not attack with that too? And then they flashed in the arrogant worm and I tapped it. And I said, that's why. You look like a genius. Yeah. Every once in a while, every once in a while, every once in a while, Mr. Trophy leader. Well, I was when I logged off. I'm probably not still, but we'll check. No, people are grinding that. Like people grind magic online so much. I don't know. Like, don't these people have jobs? This format's fun. Also, this is my job. Don't other people have jobs? Uh, maybe, maybe. maybe but it's so much fun. Take a week off and play it. Yeah, I'll do that right over Christmas. Oh, wait, it's gone. Yeah, uh, yeah. You've only got a week, man. Get one of these in. So Arrogant right. Worm, we've talked about it too much not to mention what it does. It's three green green oh, for yeah. a four four trample. If you can discard it, you can play it for two and a green. It's dumb. It's, it's really a flash. Dumb. It's a flash four four. We get a five mana flash four four in Ixalan that doesn't even have trample yeah all right all right it's it's just a good card and then the other one that we're looking for is roar of the worm this is six and a green put a six six green worm creature token onto the battlefield and it has flashback with three and a green so the idea is you discard this to the mongrel and then have a four mana six six also seems very good yeah and there's a few other flashback cards that you can do this with the mongrel we'll get into some of that when we talk about black and like the blue cards that have madness aren't bad, but like you're not picking circular logic and, and going into this. That's a counter spell that counters the stuff they have, uh, counters it unless they pay mana equal to the cards in your graveyard. It, it's like countervailing winds from, mm-hmm. from Emicat. It costs three or you can madness it for one. And then obsessive search is blue, draw a card and ha- has madness for a blue. So if you discard that, you draw another card. Those cards aren't bad, but they're kind of like filler level stuff in your madness deck. It's it's really the worms that you want. Okay. I have a feeling that I'll probably try to draft this deck. I like green. Green madness, green big thing sounds like a fun time. It's really good. It's really good. I, w- I would encourage you to try it out. Okay. What about Storm? I mentioned earlier that I don't know how to draft Storm in cube. Can I draft Storm in Vintage Masters? You can. I would not recommend it for beginners uh, because Storm is very difficult to pilot. Um, And I also don't think that it's the best deck in this format. Blue-black is the Storm color. Now, yes, you're snickering because I got beat by Storm in the showdown. But what I've seen through playing it is if you draft it seven times, it'll be amazing once. Like... Sometimes you'll play a deck and like your opponent doesn't beat you. Your deck just doesn't work. And by that, I like mana screw and mana flood are still part of this. But in addition to that, you can get screwed up. The LRR guys had a great version that included two mythics, right? So if you get the right mythics for storm, like if you open a demonic tutor and get past a memory jar, yes, you should try drafting storm. Um, But missing those cards is a pretty big hit to it. The idea with Storm is that you're going to use a card like Brain Freeze is is actually what they killed me with. So we'll look at that one. It's one in a blue for an instant. Target player puts the top three cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. And then it has Storm, which is you copy this for each spell cast before it this turn. So the idea is you cast something like five spells. Then you cast this. Then you've got six times three milling your opponent. Um, usually that's enough to destroy their entire library. Tendrils of Agony is the black storm kill condition that's in here, which is two black, black, drain your opponent for two, and it has storm. So ideally you'd build up resources until you can cast a bunch of cantrips um, or cards like... What's the draw, the draw spell that untaps search. your land? Frantic Search. Frantic Search. So this is two and a blue for an instant. Draw two cards, discard two cards, untap up to three lands. So it's a free spell. We have Cloud of Fairies here too, which is one and a blue for a 1-1 one, one flyer. And when you play it, it untaps two lands. So you, you, so you combo off on your free spells, your cantrips, your cheap spells, Memory Jar if you've got it to, to draw a new hand. Um, get your storm count up to at least six or seven, and then hopefully you have a win condition in your hand. That's the idea. That's the idea. That's the idea. Blue Black had the lowest win percentage. I went back and found the MTGO Goldfish stats for this format. Blue Black had the lowest win percentage of all the the colors in the format. Like this just didn't work all that often. And I, I would not encourage somebody who hasn't played Storm before to go for it. 
That said, if if like your idea of a good time in the holiday cube is to draft storm, go for it, dude. Have some fun. High tides in here, palancrons in here. There's a lot of pieces for a good storm deck. You've got Mind's Desire. You've got Turnabout. There's a lot of the pieces you need to make it happen. Uh, so you can certainly go for that. Okay. Um, what are the... Are those the only two kill conditions? Brain Freeze and Tendrils? There's no uh, Empty the Warrens or anything like that? There's not any in red. Uh, there is Mind's Desire, which technically could be a condition, but it's usually a way to find something else. I also kind of want to mention the reason that Blue Black had any win percentage at all is Psychotog. Right. This is one blue black for a one two. Discard a card, it gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Exile two cards from your graveyard, it gets plus one plus one until end of turn. So this works with all the blue madness cards that we talked about earlier, and it's just miserable to block. There's many cases where like you have to block it because your opponent discarding their hand and then exiling their graveyard will kill you, meaning you're essentially just chomping this every turn until they finally do actually kill you with it. Okay. And that, and obviously like, you know, there's, that just doesn't even go in storm at all. So that's why the, the blue black was getting some percentage of win of wins. There was just free wins off of psychotog, right? That, and I would guess a lot of people who went for storm that didn't know how to do it. It's one of those decks that'll really punish you if you don't know what you're doing. Like Mm -hmm. feel free to try it. It's fun. And we're not talking about spending a hundred dollars to try it out. It's 10 tickets. If you make a storm deck, that's terrible. You got a good story for your friends, right? Like, try it or go watch somebody that knows how to draft Storm. Um, Tommy and Auntie, Isarok and Ling will be drafting Storm in the Vintage Cube, the Holiday Cube, as soon as it comes out. Probably nonstop. You can go watch them and figure out how to do it. A little too late for Vintage Masters, but I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to force it in Vintage Masters Oh, as of well. course that's what they're going to do. They're degenerates. <laughs> Blue-green Brain Freeze Storm coming up. Yep. All right. Next on the archetype list, let's talk about the cycle deck. The cycle deck's actually really fun. Um, Right before the showdown, I drafted an absurd cycle deck and then didn't get to play it because I didn't have enough time. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that. And Kenji won the showdown with a cycle deck. So what's the premise then of the cycle deck? I mean, we all know what cycling does, but how does how does how can you abuse it in Vintage Masters? Okay, there's two cards that are going to allow you to do that. One is Astral Slide, which is two and a white for an enchantment. Whenever a player cycles a card, you may exile target creature if you do return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. So that's your creatures, their creatures. Of note, it's also when your opponent cycles a card, which will come up on occasion. And it's not cycles or discard like what we're used to from the Ammon Cat. Okay. Uh, and that returns at end of turn or the, the beginning of the next end step, right? Like you can Correct. take it out for an entire turn if you do it at the in the end step. Yep. So you can okay. do that to get a blocker out of the way. Um, you can do it. There's a one, four dude for four mana that gains you four life when it comes into play. There's mana war in the set. There's a goblin that comes into play and deals two damage. There, there is no shortage of enter the battlefield abilities for you to abuse with this. Okay. Uh, the other one is lightning rift, which is in red. Uh, this is another enchantment. I'm looking it up right now. There we go. One in red. Whenever a player cycles a card, you may pay one. If you do, it deals two damage to target creature or player. Okay. So do you need both of these, one of these? Like, how 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 deep do you have to go before you're in the full-fledged cycle deck? The best ones have three. Doesn't matter which three. You can do it with two, and you're not there if you have one. So the the I, I think I, I didn't get a good look at Kenji's deck. He had at least one of each of these. I think he had two astral slides and a lightning rift. And the one that I drafted had two astral slides and a lightning rift. Um, if you're the astral slide version, you're usually at least splashing blue so that you can get mana wars into this deck because that's one of the most fun things to blink. Um, Scriveners are also great. Uh, the version I drafted has one Scrivener, which is uh, four and a blue for a two, two that returns an instant from your graveyard to your hand. And my deck has two swords to plowshares. So the idea is I'll plow one of their dudes and then eventually Scrivener it back and then just keep blinking the Scrivener and plow their team. And then, you know, when I get around to it, beat them to death with a 2-2. When you feel like finishing the game off and you've done, you're done playing with your food. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And then there's just tons of cards that have cycling. Some of the more important for ones for this are those land cyclers that I mentioned. 
it's a very mana intensive deck because you're you, you've got to get the creatures in play first for the astral slide or you've got to spend one mana for the lightning rift to do some damage and you may need to deal four damage to an arrogant worm for example which would cost you something like six mana to be able to pull off so having creatures that cycle into guaranteed lands is kind of handy there and there's a few cycle for effect cards uh there's one in blue that when you cycle it for one in the blue it taps a creature that buys you a good bit of time uh there's renewed faith gains you some life while you cycle it and there's solar flare i mentioned earlier one red red when you cycle it it deals one damage that kills more stuff than you would think in this format so those are kind of key cards for this as well how important then are the land cyclers so we saw those in hour of devastation or sorry amaket block um the deserts that cycled um we have those in this format as well are those just as important as they were or as they are compared to the amaket block let's say absolutely like the reason deserts were good in Hour of Devastation was not because there were Desert Matters cards that made them better. They were good because they were lands you could cycle. And that's just absurd, right? Yeah. Like anytime you're picking a land that you're going to play, you're increasing the number of your picks that you get to play in your deck. So if you're playing 23 cards and 17 basics, and I'm playing 23 cards plus two cycle lands, I'm playing 25 of my picks versus 23 of yours. My deck's going to be a little better. Right. Okay. I mean, absolutely makes sense. Actually, this one, this deck sounds interesting to me. I've seen it piloted a few times. Um, you know, I, I hope, I hope that it's open. I hope that all of these things are open. I kind of want to draft all of these decks now. See, I told you it's fun. Yeah. I just have to find the time to do it now. So what else? There's, um, there's a reanimate deck. Is there a reanimate deck, actually? I, I, I say that with a question mark because I see people trying to draft it and it never seems to come together. I've pulled it off once. Um, I, I would say that you're likely to have a reanimate theme in some of your decks. And this stretches generally across Abzan colors. So you're going to typically use Wild Mongrel is obviously one of your better enablers. Putrid Imp is also here. This is a one mana one one. You may discard a card to give it flying until end of turn. If you have seven cards in your graveyard, it becomes a 2-2 that can't block. So like that's another way to get something in the graveyard. And then there's various spells in white and black that will put things into play from your graveyard. Reanimate does it for one black mana, and then you lose life equal to the creature's... Is it power or toughness? I don't remember. I think it's power. It may even be casting cost, but you, you pay some life to get something into play. Um, then there's a, a white card, uh, breath of life, three and a white for a sorcery return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Reanimate is any graveyard. Um, survival of the fittest is in here in green to get things into your graveyard. And like, that's just a powerful card anyway. Uh, it's an enchantment for one in a green. You can spend a green, discard a creature, search your library for a creature and put it into your hand. So like there's various ways to get things into your graveyard and various ways to get things out. I'm never a huge fan of reanimation decks um, just because it's a three card combo, right? I've got to have the enabler to get something in the graveyard. I've got to have something in the graveyard that I'd like to reanimate. And then I've got to have the spell to reanimate it. We're helped some with the cycling cards because any of the big creatures with cycling that I cycle, I can then reanimate. So they're both a target and an enabler, uh, which is pretty cool, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess. What else do you have for the big creatures in this format that you want to reanimate, though? There's no Gristlebrand, right? There's no Gristlebrand. Uh, there is Visara, which is, I mean, an early Visara is just going to win the game for you unless they have a Swords to Plowshares. That's three black, black, black for a 5-5 five, five flyer. Tap it to destroy target creature. It can't be regenerated. So, like, you just kill all their stuff until there's nothing left to oppose you, and then you kill your opponent. Um, there's also a seven mana dude. Let me find him. It's like a seven, seven. Not Gristlebrand. <laughs> it's not Gristlebrand, but each, each turn you take a damage and draw a card. I, I can't remember the name of the darn card. Uh, Baleful Force. That's it. It's an eight mana, seven, seven. At the beginning of each upkeep, you draw a card and lose one life. The downside is both of those are rare, but like e even cycling um, an Eternal Dragon and then reanimating it the next turn is kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're kind of looking for value here. The, the way that I made this deck work was actually off of a broken rare uh, because we've got recurring nightmare in the deck. Oh yes. Recurring nightmare. 
Yeah. This card. So, so like, recurring nightmare, tune a black for an enchantment, sacrifice a creature, a return recurring nightmare to your hand, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, activate this only as a sorcery. So you're just looping through creatures at this point. Yeah. And it, if you have anything that makes creature tokens, like, I mean, it can be a beetleback chief. Um, it can be whatever. I was managing to use it to loop Su Chi, which is a four mana artifact. When it dies, you get four mana. Um, God, I don't even remember what I was doing with it. I just remember I cast Recurring Nightmare and looped it about six times on my turn and my opponent conceded before I really got to do the cool stuff. <laughs> you weren't even playing Storm? No, no. But I like just because the Suchi was there, I could cast it so many times. I was like, let's just loop everything. And this thing made a token and this thing bounced something. And it was it was just gross. So like there, there's a reanimator deck there, but I'd almost look at these as like good decks with decent removal that have the chance to reanimate something from their own graveyard. If you open something like Living Death, which is in the set, just draft all the cycling creatures and go for it. That's too much fun not to give it a try. That's three black black for a sorcery. Essentially, put all the creatures in play in graveyards, put all the creatures in graveyards into play. So you can build a legitimate Living Death deck by just having a bunch of cycling creatures, cycle through them until you find this and cast it. Okay. So like it's there, it's rare dependent, it's not wonderful but like these colors are good anyway they've got some good evasive creatures they've got some good removal in in white and black so like you can play this and then just have like you know a a randomly have a reanimate a decent target and a wild mongrel and a black green deck and it's fine damn wild mongrels getting picked up by reanimator decks save them for my madness please like i said everybody that's green wants a wild mongrel the card's just stupid okay so what other like are there any other kind of top archetypes or like widely supported archetypes or are we now just into color combos that do good things you're kind of getting into color combos that do good things at that point um blue white skies is a deck in every magic format that has ever been and it certainly still is here um red blue spells isn't really red blue spells it's more of a red blue tempo-y thing uh, where you've got Mana Wars and Beetleback Chiefs and, and Rites of Initiation and maybe some Flyers, which is a fine thing. You, you can have kind of a cycle deck going there too. Like maybe you have two Lightning Rifts and you're just a, a blue-red cycle deck. So there's ways that you can do that, but they're mostly good stuff decks. Like Factor Fiction is in this format, right? Like you can put that in any blue deck and it's just going to be a Factor Fiction deck now. Okay. Uh, white green is worth mentioning in that there's an enchantment sub theme there auras uh, particularly um it, it's not wonderful but it does have armadillo cloak um, oh i love armadillo cloak that's like the card that i remember the most from my childhood what does armadillo cloak do dave uh it's one i'm doing this from memory one green white um and it's an enchantment i can't remember if it's plus one plus one and trample or plus two plus two and trample And I don't remember if it it gives it lifelink or if it gives it when this creature deals damage, gain life equal to its to the damage that dealt, meaning that if you had multiple of them, you could double up on the lifelink, I think. And as uh, my round two opponent found out in the streamer showdown, no, it was round three. If you're at four and I attack you with three four fours and you block trigger on the stack. Yeah, trigger on the stack. You're going to die. This is not lifelink. It has to deal the damage. You have to still be alive. Then you gain the life. But it's what Dave said. Um, One white green plus two plus two and trample. When it deals damage, you gain that much life. There's elephant guide, uh, which is two and a green. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus two. When it dies, you put a three three elephant creature token into play. So it like mitigates some of the downside of they untap and kill your creature because you've got a three three left over. Um, And there's some other cute combos you can do with it. A, a big one is actually Phantom Warrior. Uh, excuse me, Phantom Nomad. This is one and a white for a zero zero. Comes into play with two plus one plus one counters. If damage would be dealt to it, remove a counter instead. So if you put Armadillo Cloak on this, for example, even after they've dealt enough damage to kill it and remove the counters, you've still got a two two trample lifelink that just can't take damage. It just never dies. It just never dies. So, I mean, the downside of that is it's it's a ground creature. It's not particularly amazing. But white-green is looking to cast one, two, and three drops, then stack up some enchantments and make a giant Voltron and kill you. It's looking to do it in a format that has a lot of good removal. But if if your jam is casting two drop into one with the wind and Ixalan, 
you'll probably dig this deck because when they've got it, you lose. And when they don't, you roll them over. Okay. I can dig it. There's a Rancor in the set too, right? No, no Rancor. Good. There's the white version, which is one and a white for plus one, plus two. And when it dies, you get it back to your hand. Like that's playable in that deck, but I don't know that I'd call it no, good. No, no. I was just thinking back to other iconic enchantments that I used to cast as a kid. Yeah. Armadillo Cloak, Rancor. I think those are the only two that I can remember. Those okay. are the big ones. Those are the big ones. Okay, so are there any other cards that I should be looking for here that maybe don't necessarily fit into the archetype aside from the power cards like windmill slam first picks like battle screech that can just kind of go in any deck in that color? What am I what am I looking for here? We could do just a, a brief highlight of of some of the commons that actually stand out from each of the colors. Um, there's a. Let's see, I, I, I do want to talk about commons rather than the rares, because if you do one or two drafts, I want to make sure that you're. You're actually getting stuff. Simeon Grunts, a.k.a. Surprise Monkey, is worth knowing that it exists. It's two and a green for a 3-4 flash with Echo for two and a green. Echo means that you have to pay for it again on your turn. At the beginning of this format, this card was amazing. At the end of the format, it was pretty bad because people learned to play around it. Uh, so if, if your opponent is suspiciously passing with three mana up in green... Um, if they have a discard outlet, they probably have Roar of the Worm <laughs> or uh, Arrogant Worm. And if they don't, they they may have a Surprise Monkey. It's okay to not attack just to make sure that you don't don't walk into one of those. Um, let me scroll up here. I've, I've already mentioned Kuros and Tusker. Mm-hmm. I have first picked this already. Like It's just a green divination that's also flexible enough to be a giant kill condition. Um, so that that's certainly a good one. I mentioned this before, Claws of Wirewood. This is three and a green for a sorcery. Deals three damage to each creature with flying and each player has cycling for two. I main decked two copies of this in my black green deck because A, it's six points of burn in black green. Nobody sees that coming, right? And in addition, it's not killing any of my stuff, but if my opponent happens to have a battle screech, I can one for one with battle screech, which is about the best you can hope for. Uh, So I'd I'd like, don't first pick this, but if you're in green, you want one of these main deck, two of them, if you can get it. Okay. And that's just battle screech insurance. It's battle screech insurance and reach in green. Like people are just not used to that happening these days. And having access to that is kind of a big deal. Okay. Um, As we scroll through here, there's a black removal spell for two and a black uh, destroy target creature. uh, That's not black or an artifact. And it has cycling. I'm scrolling up to it so I can find the name because I want to make sure I I read you right on that. But like the there it is, expunge the down it's the black terror. It's black terror with cycling, right? And it's instant speed kill anything. So if you're against another deck that has mostly black threats, you can just cycle it. So no downside really. No real downside. Okay. We've got exile in white which is two and a white exile target, non-white attacking creature. You gain life equal to its toughness. I think it's toughness. It may be power. This looks like it would be good. And it's kind of not. The reason being the most aggressive decks in the format are white based decks. So you're not able to actually interact with them at all. Like you'd really want it to, to be able to cast against ephemeral armors in this set. Here's another card to look out for one white, white, Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one for each card in your hand. So they play a Phantom Nomad into a Fearmal Armor and you're holding Exile and you're like, well, that's great. If it had cycling, we can talk. In addition, it's only attacking creatures. So since the white decks are so aggressively slanted, you're kind of not using it on anything. Right. You're not really playing a controlling version of a white deck. Yeah. Now, if you are, you can put an Exile in it. So if you've got an Astral Slide deck or you're playing Blue White Skies, all of a sudden this starts to become interesting, but don't be like, oh, white removal, I'll first pick this. It, it, it's not that quality of card. And then there's one other mechanic uh, to be aware of here, which I, I don't think we've mentioned yet, but is on some of the, the really good key cards in the set, and that's Shadow. Have you played with Shadow before? Yeah, actually Shadow was uh, like Onslaught, and I remember my first uh, 60 card starter deck, not starter tech, but like pre-constructed deck uh, was Black White Shadow. Okay. Dothy Mind Ripper. Yeah, yeah. 
So you, you're used to cards like I'm that. I'm used to cards like with Shadow, yep. I'll, I'll use this one as an example. Soltari Trooper, one in a white for a 1-1 one, one with Shadow. When it attacks, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Shadow is sort of like flying. You can almost think of it as like high flying, if you remember Cloud Elemental, that could only block other creatures with flying. And that's how Shadow works. Shadow creatures can't block creatures without Shadow, and they can't be blocked by creatures without Shadow. The only Shadow cards in this set are in black-white, and there's one in blue where you can discard a card to give it Shadow. That's there as a Madness Enabler and as a a kind of hard-to-interact-with threat. Um, So it's just kind of like another form of evasion that you'll see in this set. Okay. Yeah, Shadow was annoying, but I guess in small quantities, it's probably not so bad. Yeah, it, like I said, it, it kind of reminds me of flying in a sense, and most of them are relatively small. For the for the most part, they're two or three power creatures. Um, I'll also mention counter spells in the set. I sort of feel like that's a trap. I don't like counter spells in limited. The fact that it's one less colorless than cancel doesn't make it great. And then I suppose as I'm looking through here, I did do a disservice when I said there weren't too many blue madness payoffs. Deep analysis certainly is one. Uh, that's three and a blue for a sorcery. Draw two cards. Has flashback for one blue, pay three life. So you would discard this to your wild mongrel to give it, or your aquamiba, whatever your outlet is, and then just spend two to draw two cards at, at the cost of three life. But sure, whatever, you'll, you'll pay three life for two cards. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's actually a really good rundown. I feel like... Feel like I can go in and, and maybe one two quite easily. You could do better than that. Like, like and, then, I said, and then get out of the format playing only once. <laughs> Try it at least once. I, I honestly think that you would enjoy it. I, I like a format that has very aggressive decks in it that are viable and then also still has like wonky, weird control decks. It, it frankly reminds me a bit of Hour of Devastation with a, a slightly more balanced power level, which is kind of weird, but like. There were mythics and rares in Hour of Devastation that were just not beatable. And this set has those too, but it's also got like a, a little bit lower power level in the creature because they're also old. It just it, it gives me a sense of nostalgia because I played with these originally and I enjoy that. And then I've also found the format to be enjoyable. So I'd, I'd encourage you to take this one for a spin. If you don't like it, it's all right. Uh, but if, if you do, it's a, a really fun way to pass some time while we're waiting for Cube to come back out. Cube. Yeah, we're going to talk about Cube next week, and you're going to be hype. I am so hype for Cube. You Cube's can, this, awesome, dude. This is this is my hype face right here. I can see it. You look no, very hyped. No, no. It'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be good. I've come around. I've come around. I played some Masters set this year. I'll play another Masters set this week. Cube is like me growing up, putting my big boy pants on. Dave, we firmly established that I'm the grumpy old man in this podcast. Am I taking your th- am I taking your thunder here? Am I stealing your thunder? Yeah, yeah. You you, you can't do that, man. All right. All right. Uh, no, but for me, I'm looking forward to, to Rivals more than anything. The holiday season is tough for me to play Magic over. So, um, But Rivals is just around the corner, too. Yep, we will be we, rivaling Ixalan soon. We have no shortage of exciting things to talk about coming up. Who do you think is going to win the battle for Ixalan? The vampires, the dinosaurs, the merfolk, the humans, the pirates? Uh, Bolas and his cronies will win the battle for Ixalan. I think it's going to be Phyrexia invading and assimilating all of them. Mm, interesting. Actually, no, you know what? I guess Bolas wouldn't win because he just won. So like you can't in, in like in like the 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 storyline kind of like trilogy theory, you know, like the bad guys win in the middle kind of thing. You can't have them win twice in a row. That just doesn't make for good entertainment. Sounds good to me. I like so I it guess, when the bad guys win. I do, too. But I guess the good guys probably have to win. Maybe That's Jace can just be stuck on Ixalan forever and we don't have to see him anymore. Hey, Jace has got cool. Jace is like buff. He's like working on a shit on like a like a he's a rigger or whatever his role is. Navigator. I don't even know. That's much. I pay attention to the story this time around. But he got buff. Yeah, Jace did get buff. I'll give him that. He got he's, he's like he's like the skinny nerd that went off to university and like pumped iron for for three years and then came back home and everybody was like, who's this guy or girl? Like, what happened to you? Do you even lift, bro? I, I actually don't, but thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah, you would if you were Jace, apparently, and then you'd rip your shirt and be super sexy Jace. Super stupid sexy Jace. That's the one. All right. 
Well, I think we're going to wrap it up there. So uh, catch us next week for Cube. And uh, in the meantime, thanks again, face-to-face games, manadeprived.com for all the hosts. Uh, where can they find you? You just did your streamer showdown, uh, but you'll have a lot of vintage masters this week. So where can they find you? Uh, come find me at twitch.tv slash Simulan. I'm also on Twitter under the same handle. I'm at Simulan. And I am D Civilian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N on both. And you can catch us on the Men From Moto Twitter account, which is Men From Moto. We will tweet there once in a while, mostly show notes, but uh, catch us there as well. Give us a follow. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Adios.